Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Father, right now we just lift our hands to you. We submit to you. Holy Spirit, I know you're here. I can feel you so strongly. We welcome you here today. Whatever you have for us, whatever word, whatever healing, whatever restoration, whatever provision, Lord, we're all yours. And I pray that you challenge us, that you provoke us. God, I ask that you wake us up. Wake us up to your presence. Wake us up to what you want to do in the earth, to what you want to do in our city, to what you want to do in our church. Wake us up to the things of the Spirit and help us expand your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise and the honor. And if you believe and receive it, say amen. 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 Come on, give Jesus a hand. Well, I'm just going to go straight into the message today, if that's cool with you, so you guys can skip the greet and seat. You guys can be seated. It's great to have all of you here. Thanks for being a church that worships, being a church that enters in, wants to feel and sense the presence of God. But today, we're going to go ahead and close out the I Am series. Have you guys enjoyed that? Pastor Joel's done a masterful job bringing the word week to week, but today, I'm especially excited for the last I am, which is I am the resurrection and the life. I find it very interesting, and I know that Jesus does nothing on accident. There is no such thing as coincidence. You know, that word doesn't even exist in the Jewish scripture, in the Jewish language. There is no coincidence. He's always working. He's always on time and working for a purpose. But this is the very last miracle that he does before they crucify him as he raises somebody up from the dead. And then his next miracle is he gets raised up from the dead. But we're going to go ahead and uh, go to John chapter 11. And just to preface it, and I'm going to be short today. I want to do some altar time at the end. But in John chapter 11, the apostle John is writing, and this is two weeks before Jesus' death. It's right before the Passover And he introduces us to some of Jesus' closest friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And they live in a small town called Bethany, a couple miles away from Jerusalem. And and Jesus is about to, or he likes to visit there, but all of it, he gets word. He's in Jerusalem, and he gets word because Lazarus gets really sick. And apparently he gets really sick very quickly, and they send word to Jesus to come because they've seen Jesus in action. They've seen what happens when Jesus is in the room. That's why it's so important that when we worship, it's just not another song that we sing. We've already done this before. No, we're aligning our heart. We're aligning our spirit, and we're singing in faith, because every time Jesus showed up in the scripture, people had faith. Raise the roof faith. Cut the roof off faith. And that's where Jesus always shows up. And the Holy Spirit is the same way on the earth today. He always shows up when people are ready, when they're waiting, when they have faith for him. And he's so good that sometimes he still even shows up when nobody believes. And this is a situation that reminds me of that. And 
He gets the news and he waits two days, which makes no sense to me. He waits two days. You know why he waits? Every time Jesus waits, he's waiting for a reason. And usually the reason is that so more people will believe in him. You know, the reason Jesus hasn't come back on the earth today is why? He's waiting for more people to believe, giving more people a chance. And the religious leaders at this time, they were waiting to kill Jesus. And when he didn't show up to heal Lazarus, they leave the city. They go home. They're like, eh, Jesus isn't coming. And we find in verse 20 that he finally shows up and people are at the funeral. They're paying their respects. It's day four after Lazarus died. Typically, they would wait till day three to claim he was officially dead, which is odd to me again. Anyway, there's a lot in the scripture. But John 11, verse 20. Man, I haven't read from a paper Bible in a while. Paper Bible in a while. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The guilt trip. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, when everyone else rises on resurrection day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again, and they are given eternal life for believing in me and will never perish. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Martha retreats from Jesus, goes straight to Mary, tells Mary, hey, the master's here. Mary comes out, she's the younger sister, comes to Jesus, starts crying and echoes what Martha says. She said, Lord, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And she starts to cry and other people start to cry and then that's where we get the shortest verse in scripture. It says that Jesus wept. So that Jesus was very troubled, that he was moved. He was moved with compassion. Compassion means that he's starting to feel what you feel. And he said, Where, where'd you lay him? So we put him right over here, and they led him to the burial spot. And in verse 39, he says, roll the stone aside. But Martha, the dead man's sister, said, Lord, by now the smell will be terrible because he has been dead for four days. And Jesus responded, see how Martha's over here, I believe, and she's over here. What are you doing, Jesus? It's not the time for that. Verse 40, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you will see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside, then Jesus looked up to heaven, and he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so they will believe that you sent me. How many times have you prayed in front of other people just so that they know, right? Jesus, the audacity, and he's finished praying to God, looks at the tomb, and he shouts, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet 
bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. And many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw that this happened. I am the resurrection in the life. I wonder what would happen if we acknowledged him as the resurrection in the life. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, we just invite your spirit into the room, your presence. I pray that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a willing, willing heart to understand. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Uh, anyone in here, you ever question God's timing? Wow, only a few of you. Some of them, I'm like, man, I haven't questioned your timing, God, in about a week. Okay. Uh, sometimes we wish God was working on our time zone. We wish that he was ready when we are ready. We're like, God, I've been ready for this for months, for years, but I'm still waiting for you. Are you too busy for me? A lot of times we question God's timing. And one time in my life in particular reminds me of this, and when I was 16 years old, I was about to be a junior in high school, and this is when everybody asks you the same exact question all the young people remember. Probably everybody remembers this. You get asked, so what are you going to do when you grow up? When you, where are you going to go to college? How are you going to pay for college? They're like, I'm 16. I've never paid for nothing, right? I don't know. I don't, I don't know how, how I'm going to do it. They point to their parents. They're, they're going to help me. Um, but I started to think, and I came down to three career options uh, it's laughable now, two of them, and uh, it's interesting. So the first one, you want to hear him? Yeah, okay. Um, I wanted to be, these are my three, number one, an athletic trainer. Can't you tell? <laughs> I was in the best shape of my life. Who isn't? A 16, 17, 18, 19. Um, Anyway, I was like, you know, I would love to do that, help people work out the way that I work out. Brittany, you don't believe me. I was like, yeah, you could have been that. Okay. The second thing that I wanted to believe, uh, or that I wanted to be when I grew up, and it's kind of scary to think we are up now, but the second thing was I wanted to go into sales. If you know me, you're like, eh, that wouldn't have worked either. That, that wouldn't have worked. You don't have the sales personality. I know you get on stage here and there, but off the stage, you're not really always trying to sell me something. But I am very persuasive. If you want to know how persuasive a man is, you just look at his wife, right? <laughs> very persuasive. Because I actually believed that we were on the same level, even though we're not, right? Very persuasive. You know, I took a speech class as far as a public speaking class about eight years ago, and this guy teaching the class, he teaches people at the White House uh, in their communications department how to deliver uh, a message or a transcript or, or whatever's going on, how to deliver the news to the people. And he was, I'm at this class and I'm learning a lot, but I remember one of the things that he said. He said, men and women are judging you the first 30 to 60 seconds of your talk. But they judge you differently. Men judge by appearance. Shocker. <laughs> they judge by appearance. Men want to see what are you wearing, what are the clothes that you're wearing, are your shoulders thrown back? Do you project confidence? Should I believe you? Women 
and I guess women, you can tell me if this is right or not. Women are judging the speaker by the quality of their voice. That's right. I looked, okay. <laughs> They're judging by the quality of their voice. That's how I got angel. That was persuasion, but I'm not a salesman. And the third thing was ministry. I didn't know in what capacity. This concept made no sense. I had never spoken in public anytime. I'd never done a message. Anytime I had to do a class presentation, my hands, and maybe some of you can sympathize, were wet. I don't mean like sweating, I mean like wet. My stomach was churning. I didn't just feel the butterflies. I was just a ginormous butterfly. I was like, oh my God, I'm about to go up. I don't know if I can handle this. I was the quiet kid. I was like, man, just put me in a small group of people. Don't, I don't want to speak in front of everybody in the class about how I built this little house with popsicle sticks and how masterful of a job that it is. That's not a great way to build confidence. But about a year later, summer before my senior year, I kind of come to knowledge and I felt like the Lord was really leading me to go into ministry. And it didn't make sense, but I started to get opportunities to speak. And the next year, I started my internship with Pastor Joel for several years where I volunteered my time for 20, 30 hours a week, and he was training me. And I remember about three years in, I'm like, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready for my spot. Pastor Joel's trying to create a spot for me in, this, uh, in the legendary youth uh, ministry that we were in, and Every time it looked like we were, that he was about to be able to hire me, the, the budget didn't get approved, I didn't get approved, the idea didn't get approved, and it happened about a handful of times, and it was like, man, God, like, are we gonna work on the same timing or not? But I wasn't ready, and I got a real job. And I started working at uh, Nordstrom for a couple years, and I remember around this time that Pastor Joel actually transitioned, they, led him from being a youth pastor to being a campus pastor in McKinney. He told me, Brandon, he told me that he was leaving, and I was, like, devastated. I was like, well, I don't know what to do, you know? <laughs> like, what, what am I supposed to do without you? And, and apparently I hadn't been trained quite enough yet. But I remember um, he told me, he said, and he was quoting Jesus, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. <laughs> what a narcissist. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. And um, being the receptive man of God that I am, I said, I, I believe it when I see it. <laughs> I was so jaded at 23. That's not good for my future. Uh, normally it takes a little bit longer. Um, but I remember, and he did his last service, went to McKinney. Three months later, I'm working at my real job, uh, and I got a call. He was calling me. I went in my office, sat down small talk for about a minute. He said, Brandon, he said, I got a spot for you. I want you to be the assistant youth director. I'm gonna make you the youth director. He's like, my youth director now, I'm making him the associate pastor. Now's your time. He said, didn't I tell you that I would prepare a place for you? <laughs> yes, Sensei, you did. <laughs> you did, <laughs> right? I had to eat my humble pie. You know, we got to work, it worked on God's timing. It didn't work on my timing. You know, when I look at the story of John chapter 11, three things stick out to me. There's three things that I want to take away 
today, and I'm sure there's way more that we could take away. But for the sake of time and what I believe that God wants to say today, number one is God's timing is not your timing. God's timing is not your timing. In John chapter 11, Jesus gets the news and waits for two days. What a horrible friend. Why would you wait, right? If any one of us got a call, we would immediately, no matter what we're doing, my friend needs me, they're about to die, I can help, right? We take, we put some actual presentable clothes on, get the keys, go in the car, meet them, but no, Jesus waits. Wasn't time yet. And apparently Lazarus dies really quick, probably the day that they sent word, because by the time Jesus gets there, he's been dead for four days, but he didn't hurry out the door like we would. Have you noticed that Jesus is never in a hurry? Never in a hurry. If there's anything that you get from reading the four gospels, it's that Jesus was never in a hurry, but he was always present with you. It reminds me of Luke chapter eight. A man named Jairus, who's the leader of a local temple, a synagogue, who's a pastor basically, he comes to Jesus, falls on his knees, says, Jesus, my only child, my daughter, she's 12, she's about to die, will you come to the house and heal her? And Jesus agrees. And he starts to go with Jairus, and they're walking towards his house. And out of nowhere, another woman needs Jesus, and she's been sick for 12 years. She has an issue of blood, and she's thinking, if I can just touch Jesus, I'm gonna be healed. Notice the two 12s. See, 12 in Scripture, the significance is it's perfect government rule. It's the perfect way to lead. The product of 12 is what? Three and four. Three signifies the divine and four signifies earthly. When you put it together, Jesus has two 12s coming to him and he's showing us this is the perfect way to lead. You ready? Never in a hurry. Always on time. Always present for whoever needs him. And he goes, he heals the lady with the issue of blood. And then he goes to Jairus' house. And Jairus, by the time they get there, Jesus had taken too long with the other woman and the daughter has died. So Jesus gets everybody out of the room except for the parents and only three of his disciples. Jesus got everybody that didn't believe out of the room. So apparently he's got three out of the 12, the three closest to him, mind you, there's something there. The five of them are in the room and he doesn't necessarily even pray. He says, hey, get up, wake up. And she wakes up and she comes to life. Jesus, never in a hurry, but always present. See, when I think about Jesus, when I read through the scripture, you know half of the miracles are interruptions? Half of the miracles. It wasn't on his calendar. It wasn't part of his Sunday service. It wasn't what's, uh, you know, I got a 3 p.m. 
with a deaf guy, 4 p.m., with a blind guy, 5 p.m., with, man, these knucklehead Pharisees. I hate these guys, man. They don't even listen to me. No, they're all interruptions. Can you imagine Jesus at the end of a long day and he's having dinner with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and Mary drops the hummus and he gets mad at Mary. Mary, how could you? God, I need a drink. Somebody give me a glass of wine. I can't even deal with these people. Can you imagine him being, you're having a heart-to-heart with Jesus, you're at the dinner table and he pulls out his phone uh-huh. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> that's how you know they're not listening. That's, re- that's wild. Wow. <laughs> wow. One more. Can you imagine that you show up to Jesus needing prayer? He's like, hey, I'd love to heal your, le- I'd love to heal your leg, but I got to jump on a plane. I got TEDx in Jerusalem tomorrow morning. I got to get ready, but here's my apprentice, Thaddeus. No one's ever heard of him, but he'll pray for you and heal your leg. No, never in a hurry, always present. His timing is not our timing. When I look through scripture and I see Joseph who waited 13 years by the time when God gave him dreams of his future to the time that he was a ruler. David waited 18 years from the time the prophet Samuel anointed him king until he became king. And even when he became king, it was only one of the 12 tribes for another seven years, so 25 years. Abraham waited 25 years. God said, I'm gonna give you a child. Abraham believes him. Year one, year five, year 10, year 20. Right, he takes it in his own hands, like, you know what, maybe I'll just sleep with somebody else besides my wife and make this happen. (laughs) But by the time, 25 years, he gets a son. Moses waited 40 years in the wilderness. Twice. Sounds horrible. (laughs) Anyway, I don't even want to be there for a week. 40 years, twice. Jesus waited 30 years to have a three-year ministry. If God is making you wait, you're in good company. God's timing is not your timing. The second thing that I take away is trust God's word over the crowd's opinion. You know one with God is always the majority. You know they don't build statues and monuments of crowds of the popular votes, they build statues and monuments of the one person who stood up when it was contradictory to what was popular at the time, every single time. One is a majority with God. You know, not everybody needs to believe God's word for your life. You just need to believe it. That's it. Joseph got in trouble when he started telling God's word for his life to his brothers and got thrown into prison. Not everybody needs to believe it. You just need to believe it. You know, those closest to you won't always understand what God is doing in your life. And it is what it is. And you gotta get past other 
people's opinions. Because people, I know you already know this, people don't think about you the way you think about you. They don't. I mean, put yourself in their shoes. How much time do you really think about other people, right? It's, we prioritize ourselves. That's why Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. He's like, I don't even expect you to love them more than you, but hey, well, you love them at least as much as you love you. Those quotes you won't always understand. You know, everyone in John chapter 11 took a negative approach to Jesus. In the beginning, Thomas says, let's go with the Lord and die with him. <laughs> what a pessimist. And die with him. I'm ready. Let's go. It's gonna be a bad day, but this is our meal ticket. This is our ride or die. Let's just go ahead and face the consequences. Martha, like a lot of Christians, one minute she says, I believe. I know you can do it. And the next minute, she doesn't believe. She says, Lord, by now, you know how bad he's gonna smell? We can't open that thing. I'm surprised Jesus didn't turn around and say, you know what stinks? You. Your doubt stinks. Just believe. My goodness. Mary shows up. What does she say? The same thing as her sister. Guilt trip. Hate guilt. Don't even try to guilt trip me. It won't work. Hey, Lord, if you had been here. Mm, okay. Right? If only if you had been here. So nobody is believing in Jesus when it comes to both resurrections, by the way. And Jesus takes it upon himself to do the work regardless of the other people in the room and they weren't ready, but he's like, you know what? In this, in this stage, in this, how am I, what's the word I'm looking for? In this chance, all I need is me. All I need is my faith. And he remembers Lazarus's name, the meaning of his name. You know what it means? God has helped. God has helped. And he remembers his friend in the tomb, and he knows that he's God on earth. He just said, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. And he says, Lazarus, come out. The Lord, your helper. That's what the writer in Hebrews says, God is my helper. What can mere mortals do to me? The third takeaway as the band comes back up is a question that I think we can all ask. What has been dead in your life that you need Jesus to raise to life? If you're thinking about it, there's gotta be one area where you're not as alive as you could be. There's gotta be one area where you need God's hand at work in your life. There's gotta be one where you need his word, where you need his touch, where you need his anointing. Is it your marriage? Is it your purpose? Do you need healing in your body? Do you need financial provision and you're just not sure how you're gonna stretch through? Do you need God's healing power on your mind, on your brain, 
Maybe you're having mental issues and you're dealing with fear and anxiety and you need his peace, his word in your life. Part of that is what you eat and drink, but you also need his word in your life. You need his presence in your life. Is a restoration in a relationship? Are you believing for salvation for somebody in your family? Are you hoping that your kids come back to God and really live for God the way that you raised them to be? Are you single in here and believing God for the right one or spouse? Saying, God, I'm ready. Are you ready? You know, as we believe and we pray for healing, just to give some good doctrine, healing can be instantaneous, but it's normally a process. You know, Jesus already healed you. He already saved you 2,000 years ago. See, it's your job to pray and receive. It's his job to heal. Whether you believe like it's happened yet or not, it's not up to you. All you have to do is believe. It's what Jesus said, or what Paul said. He said there's only one fight to fight, and it's the fight of faith. It's not the fight against other people. It's not a fight against uh, people that are speaking bad about you or things that are going wrong in your life. No, it's the fight of faith. Do you believe? I got things that I'm believing for. I got things that I've been standing for for 15 years. But I know that I'm in good company if I have to wait. And maybe you got part of the healing, maybe you got part of it back. But like Paul said in Ephesians chapter six, having done all to stand, keep standing, stand there for, make the most of it. Like Smith Wigglesworth would say, he said, I'm not moved by what I see, I'm not moved by what I feel, but I am moved by what I believe. And there is something about believing God that will cause him to pass over a million people just to get to you. Because you have faith. The Bible says that he's searching throughout the world for the person that has faith. Jesus says in Luke 8, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find anybody that has faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Doesn't mean, as you know, there's a difference between hearing something and listening to something. Do you put your focus, your time, your attention on the word, on what God has said, on trusting his word over the crowd's opinion? Go ahead and stand up with me. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come to the front. We're gonna go back into worship for one song before we close. But what's that one thing that you've been believing for? 
Let me phrase it like this. What is your Lazarus? What has been dead to you? What, maybe, did you used to have faith for that you find yourself currently not having faith for, but you realize, oh, man, I'm just gonna have faith again. I'm just gonna believe again. I'm just gonna take God at his word again. Whatever it is, come to the altar and let's believe together. Amen? Go ahead and throw this hand up in the air. One hand, say, Father, I believe you. I believe that you sent Jesus to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, if only for me. I know you've saved me. Put your other hand up. Say, God, in your word, it says that Jesus already bore my sins. He already carried my diseases. And I receive my healing. And I thank you in advance for my wholeness. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.